Hi everyone, this is Katie from Maximum Edge, a community interest company based in the UK, aimed at strengthening communities and the individuals within them. You can find us on the internet www.maximumedge.org.uk. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, iTunes and Udemy. Hello, this is Dave Sheridan from Maximum Edge. This podcast is around exploring the idea of changing your habits. What we're going to go through is, first of all, understanding the process of change and what change is. Then we'll move on to the system of setting some goals and setting smart goals, which is quite a popular area. Recognising your habits and triggers, which can be a very personal experience. And then move into using your inner coach as regards some questions. Before we start the podcast, you might want to get hold of a piece of paper and a pen and make some notes. So while we're on this little journey, um, I'm going to prompt you to make some notes. And also at the end, when we look at using your inner coach... There'll be a significant amount of questions that again during the podcast you can pause, reflect and these are different areas. This is a very personal experience. It's different for everyone and I think that's the advantage of listening to podcasts like these where you can sit quietly on your own and work through a system and tech on different elements of education. If you listen to our other podcasts around how, how we use the doing, writing and talking element of solving problems. Certainly when you we're discussing around stress and working through problems. There, there's a link. So let's start. These are some examples that we've, we've had from, from clients and different workshops of areas that people want to change. Again, you can add your own. I want to become more assertive. I want to give up eating chocolate. And I'm I'm always late for everything. Or I bite my nails a lot when I'm nervous. So these are areas that people are saying that they want to change. One of the questions, we, we do ask a series of questions around identifying the different stages and a lot of people don't understand the stages so what I'm going to go through I'm going to go through from stage one to five um, a basic model and it's uh, it's adapted from the trans theoretical model of change developed by Dr James Procaster uh, probably around the late 70s it's quite simple which is why we use it but also as well it's a good example of how the academic world can can support sort of the the present. So let's look at stage one, pre-awareness. This happens before you're aware or you've got the knowledge that you need to make a change. Often it'll be accompanied by denial, ignoring the problem or avoiding talking about it. You may have had a verbal warning at work or you might have had a health warning or you might be vaguely aware 
that what you're doing is unhelpful. But you're resistant to making any change. Lack of motivation. And I've failed to make any change previously. That's stage one. Stage two. Thinking about change. Now you acknowledge that change is needed. But you're not sure yet what and how you're going to make it. So the awareness level has been raised. You'll be thinking about the benefits of making the change. And also the difficulties and the losses that you'll have to overcome. In order to have the motivation to move on to the next stage and get the benefits, there's going to be a greater downside. You'll start to delay or postpone, so you'll have the ideas, but not the action. You'll have mixed feelings about doing it. And your self-coach or your self-talk will start becoming negative. You will start this negative self-talk in order to maintain your strength and motivation. Stage three, planning to make a change. This involves understanding the situation and the difficulties that there'll be. You'll need to do your research. What are your options? How will it affect you and those around you? And how will you overcome the difficulties? You'll need to decide what change you're going to make, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, and where it will happen. You will have plans, probably joining a class or, or seeking out a mentor, or even jo joining a diet class and following a plan. So you'll need to make sure that the plan's realistic and achievable for you. Stage four, putting this plan into action. So you've identified how you're gonna make changes and how you're gonna overcome the difficulties. And is it achievable step-by-step -step plan? You now begin by carrying out the first stages of this plan. You need to be vigilant to avoid a relapse. Some things may not go according to plan. You may have planned it too big. And the difficulties may crop up. Far more than what you anticipated. This means that you're going to need to review your plan. And adjust it. And it will suit your knowledge. You'll need to challenge negative self-talk or thoughts and keep the benefits at the front of your mind when you're going through, when it becomes tough. Stage five, maintaining the change. You'll need to stick to the plan until the new behaviours or the habit become second nature. This takes time and perseverance. There will be ups and downs on the road. You'll be tempted to go back to your old habits again and relapse. But as, as you continue, it's going to become easier as time progresses. You'll become less easily tempted and your confidence in your own abilities to make changes will build.
So they're the stages really when you look at that model from one to five. So if you think about the early stages of wanting to change a habit, you've got to reflect on your own area and think, where am I at? Am I at the pre-awareness? Am I at the thinking about it stage, which is stage two? Am I about the planning and making a change? Stage three. You may have tried something previously that's gone wrong at these different stages. And rather than adjust and work through, you've relapsed and gone back. Stage four, putting a plan into action. You need the correct people around you to give you the right encouragement and support. Stage five is a maintaining the change. A lot of the times, that's whether you either move on to make another area, or you're quite focused around this habit that you really want to you want to stamp out. Just focus on the maintenance element and keeping things fresh in your mind, positive understanding. So. Moving forward, if you want to grab a pen and paper for this podcast, it's worth obviously putting a date on this and having a look and doing this periodically. There are only three sections that are the main questions. What change are you working on or do you want to work on? Just make a list and prioritise them. Don't make it a long list, shouldn't be. Start off with some easy wins and then you can start going through the stages yourself. Identify what stage you're at. Are you at stage one, two, three, four or five? Have you tried it before? At what stage did it fall down? So there's a lot of review in here around behaviours. And don't think just because this is giving you structure that you can't achieve anything again. What will help you make progress? Look forward. Look forward positively. So that you can understand the stages. You can identify where things have gone wrong in the past. But equally, you can move forward with a plan. So just take a couple of minutes just to review that area and have a think about what is what type of topics that you want to change. What stage you're at and what will help you make progress. Well, moving forward regarding setting SMART goals, um, what we've found that some clients of ours move directly to this stage before they actually identify what and who and different areas that they're going to change around them. So when we look at setting SMART goals, um, it's quite a popular system. Um, anybody in employment usually heard of the, the SMART goal method, and it's an acronym. But again, just in our experience, um, a lot of clients will go straight to this process rather than do the previous exercise around understanding what stage they're at of regards to change. And I think as well it's all about planning. 
So to go through this section, you've got to ask yourself, why do you want to change this habit? And how are you going to benefit from it? I think the the acronym around SMART is, is quite a simple one. S being specific. Exactly what do you want to achieve? Measurable. How are you going to measure your progress? Appealing. How motivated you at achieving this goal? Realistic. Is it realistic goal? And is it achievable? And then timed. By when do you want to achieve this goal? So we, we've got lots and lots of examples of how individuals have used this SMART model from losing weight to preparing for a wedding to understanding and wanting to change eating habits. But the most important part of the process, what we've found, is to do the preparation, which is the first part of this podcast, before people start drilling down into specifics. So we've had clients who say they want to lose different types of weight and dress sizes, they want to change shape. Um, where it comes unstuck sometimes is the measurable bit. So we've had examples of people wanting to lose weight and go in the gym, but actually as they start the gym, they put a bit of weight on because muscle is heavier than fat. So I think the measurable bit is so important in those cases. Uh, Gary Fletcher, our our fitness guru, um, he always he always measures the individuals as well to show that they're changing shape. So they're not looking at just the weight element of standing on a scale. We'll be looking at the different types of measurements as you tone up. So you can use those as as the next area, which is it's more appealing if you think you've dropped an inch off your waist, but you might have put two pound on. And I think the realistic area is so important as well. That you you are realistic and you don't just see it as a word. Depending what the change is and what the habit is, the, the time and the realistic are linked. So don't say you, you want to lose four stone in six months. If your lifestyle, the medical advice that you've had off your doctor... And various areas are just not that not not care, not that in case. The next section is going to be around recognizing the habit triggers, and again, this falls in line with the previous two sections. First of all, identifying it, then start making some plans with the smart model to change. But if you don't recognize your habit triggers and your habits. It becomes more difficult in that smart model. So we're going to look at and understand how triggers work. We're going to identify some personal triggers. And then we're going to look around learning how to manage those triggers. 
So sometimes when we're working with clients, um, so it can be a stimulus of an, of an event or a person or a thing or a feeling that causes a reaction in a habitual way. For example, you might feel stressed or lonely and then you react by comfort eating or smoking or drinking. And it becomes an undesirable coping mechanism when you feel stressed. The trigger itself might be positive or negative. Something good and pleasurable, obviously all bad. But the reaction for us is negative. So for instance, you might succeed, and I've had previous experiences of this, where you'll be on a healthy regime. Certainly when, when we were competing in sport, you'll have a big win. And the healthy regime goes out the window purely because of how you celebrate. And how you celebrate can be going and having a load of drink, eating a load of chocolate, or basically going back to the, to the old habits to celebrate a success. So once you've discovered your triggers that are causing this reaction, then you can get ready for the habit and change. So usually, as a rule of thumb, there are three areas to recognising your habit triggers. So I'm going to go through them. Environmental triggers, which could include people, places or things. This is anything that you're exposed to that's physical. Things that you can see, that you can hear, taste, touch or smell. Loud noises may make you feel irritated. This may come from various areas like listening to fireworks when you were a child. Seeing cream cakes and your mouth starts watering. Watching television stimulate you to go and get a can or a bottle of wine out the fridge or even have a cigarette or start eating chocolate or falling asleep. Social events like parties, holidays, nights out or family get-togethers may stimulate you to act in a particular way. Different friends and colleagues and relatives may lead you to react in a particular manner. Sometimes seeing old friends can stimulate you and return you back into the habitual behaviours. Environments such as cinemas, pubs, clubs can stimulate old behaviours also. So one of the examples that I've got from a client of mine, and for the purposes of this exercise, we'll call him Paul. Um, he wanted to get fit. He sought me out for some mentoring and some coaching. And he'd set himself a goal to go to the gym three times a week to do some exercise. However, what we found was when he came home from work and he switched the TV on, became engrossed in whatever was on there, and then he didn't feel like going to the gym. He decided instead of going home from work that he'd go straight to the gym. The avoidance of going home is so important and becoming engrossed in the TV. So, when you think about the smart model, people who just say, I want to be realistic and I want to be achievable, wouldn't necessarily look at the routines that you have during the day 
or the routines that you would have leading up to that activity. You would just focus on not, not going doing, or in this case, not attending the gym without drilling down and going a bit, a bit deeper. So we quickly made new friends at the gym and then he began to feel healthier. <coughs> Excuse me, and over a period of months, seeing me, he started looking forward to these three sessions a week. So they're the environmental triggers with the people, the places and the things with an example. Think about your own examples as we go through this, this period. Physiological triggers. Tiredness, pain, stress, low blood sugar, lack of sleep are triggers that can affect you physically, mentally and emotionally and lead to, to react with the habitual behaviour that you want to avoid. Low blood sugar can be experienced by people with diabetes, anyone who exercises a lot who are becoming fatigued. And again, the example that we've collated from our evidence is a lady named Sue. Um, Sue decided that, again, there's a fitness theme here, but she, she just wanted to do things differently. So she'd get up at six o'clock in the morning every day and she'd go for a walk. And then she'd drive for an hour to the factory where she worked, where she's a manager. And she'd work probably from 8am, sometimes till 6pm. And often later than driving home. She found she was craving sweet things. And would often eat cakes and chocolates and other sugary foods during the day. And also when she got home. To relax, she watched TV on the night. She felt continually tired. Her body craved sugar to replace the energy that she was using. She decided to make some changes and to eliminate the behaviour that resulted in her becoming so tired. So we looked rather at during the day, we looked at the night before. And again, this is about asking the question. So she started going to bed earlier to make sure that she got enough sleep. We looked at her routines in work. So she started having a proper lunch break. And she had something healthy that she'd made the night before. And she sat in the canteen with everybody else. We discussed the issue of mindfulness and she started doing some mental exercises around relaxing that helped to cope with the stresses that she felt during her work. She stated to me that she started looking at work rather than from eight till six. She was breaking it up in four hour chunks. So it was from eight till 12 and with a break and then probably from, from one o'clock till five and then depending if she needed to stay later. And very soon she felt more energetic, less stressed and more able to cope with the workload. And she wasn't cra craving the sugary foods. So again, that's an example of somebody using a smart model without looking at the daily routines in work or what they're doing the night before and the preparation to release the cravings. And with Sue, the mindfulness was massive. She started reading a few books around the subject. She got a couple of exercises that suited her. 
somewhere where she could sit quietly. Sometimes she used a book or a magazine. She wasn't reading it. It just gave a message out to, to different characters that was around her that she was doing something for herself on a lunch break. But inside she was going through her exercises. So moving on to the last area, emotional triggers. This can include fear, anger, sadness, happiness, excitement, anticipation, feeling forced into a decision, boredom, being bullied, harassed, feeling trapped in a situation, and so on. Often, they involve events or situations over which you feel you've got no control. And you feel that you've not succeeded or you've failed. I think this area is, is the most personal area that we would work with. And it can combine with, with any of the other two areas. You'll find that there will be increased responsibility and you'll feel forced into doing something that you don't want to do. Instead of facing up to the situation that you react with with an old undesirable behaviour or a habit that gives you the compensating pleasure. Now, the emotional triggers, again, like I said, are very, very personal areas. Uh, the example that I've got here is uh, from a client for the purposes of this podcast. We'll call him Thomas. So Tom, he lived on his own. Uh, he'd recently gone through a divorce and, and sought sort us out for some coaching and, and mentoring. He missed times together with his family and in the evening he came up when he came home from work. He, he'd just sit and drink either a bottle of wine or some cans of beer and watch a bit of TV to fill the void. We recognised that that trigger for excessive drinking was his loneliness. It was affecting his work he was a little bit down. People in work knew he'd just gone through a divorce. And he had a very supportive employer who gave him a bit of space and a bit of time. During our sessions, he decided to replace this habit of just staying in and filling a void of, of loneliness and reflection. And he created a new routine. So he started volunteering. Um, at a local hospice shop and he also looked at what he was just some in, interesting hobbies that he'd had over the years that he'd never been able to uh, to explore due to the pressures of having a family and being in a relationship so he joined a photography club this kept him busy and it, started, it kept him involved with people on the other evenings when he felt quite lonely. He'd start calling his own personal family, like his brother and his sister, his daughter. Started initiating some some meals out or asking daughter should he meet up for tea after work. The whole point of this was to move away from the habit of going home and drinking excessively, just quietly on his own. The smart model used he used worked very well for him, but he also understood regarding his habits and his triggers. 
and quickly he lost the desire to be honest to sit in front of the TV and come home from work and do nothing. Probably over a, an eight month period Tom went from every night sitting alone after work to occupying himself three, four, five nights a week and then he started looking at the experience because he was so busy as a positive some time where he could just sit off and read his books and, and watch a bit of TV but didn't feel the need to divulge into the, into the drinking because he filled his head full of positive memories so they're, they're the examples of recognising the habit triggers with the environmental triggers physiological triggers and the emotional triggers that clients would have a look at so if you want to get hold of a pen and paper and just have a little jot down of some of the some of the um, the questions that we're going to ask have a think about what the habit is and what the behavior that you want to change ask yourself what are the triggers for my habit or the behavior what are they are they environmental are they people or places or things are they physiological or are they emotional now on the other side of the page have a look at what's the action that I'm going to eliminate or avoid or replace and this can be a simple exercise that you can do quietly on your own so you can already see up to this to this podcast up to now that the planning skills come to the fore straight the way through the process it's not just about stopping something as in Tom's area where he was divorced and he just move on change your life the final area of this podcast is around you're in a coach and exploring the idea of what is an inner coach and we've done this via a, a series of questions so again if you want to get your your pen and paper handy it'll be worth it for this section of the podcast so we, we've created with our clients uh, almost a matrix of matrix of questions linking into the areas most commonly touched on through doing the first three areas of this podcast so there are different models out there academic models different areas that you can speak about and a lot of them are through acronyms what I want to do now is is go through um, a tool for using your inner coach and it's a lot of questions so I'm going to be asking now a lot of questions if you need to stop them at the end of each section and just reflect on some of the questions that's fine and use it as a tool you might want to use all the questions you might just want to pick one, two, three key questions that suit you. So this isn't a, a one-size-fits-all area when you look at your inner coach. So let's have a look at the outcome. So I'm going to be asking questions around the outcome of the change that you want. 
So first question, what is your ideal outcome? What would success look like? If you could wake up tomorrow morning and this was all resolved, what would be happening? What is a realistic time frame within which to achieve this? What would be your logical first step? How will you know when things are right? How much control do you have over this outcome? Move on to the real issue. What is your current situation? What makes you think it's not as it should be? What is the real issue? What impact does it have on you? What else is concerning you? What prevents you from resolving these issues? Alternatives. What have you done so far? What results did these actions have? What ideas do you have going forward? Are there any other options? What have you already tried? Creative ideas. What if money was no issue? What if you didn't need to consult with anyone else? Who could help you the most? Can you think of anything else? If you start answering that question, can you think of anything else? And yourself talk says, I don't know. But if you need to know, what might that be? So the likelihood of success. Which option appeals to you the most? Which option makes more sense? What do you think you're going to do? If you do this, how will things change? How will you know that it's worked? How will you measure it? How sure are you that you can really achieve this? What is the likelihood on a scale of 1 to 10 or 1 to 5 that you will be successful in changing X, Y or Z? What's prevented you from pulling 10? Five. Or what else could you do to make it a 10 or a 5?
Use these scales to reflect how difficult each of your solutions are to implement. Execute. What support will you need? When are you going to start this? What will you do? What will be your first step? If this works well, what are you going to be doing next? What other milestones are there? How will you overcome any obstacles? If the desired result is not as expected, what will you do next? So those questions are so important when you look at sitting quietly using your inner coach. So what we've tried to look at in this podcast is a system of identifying change and change of habits. And if need be, working with either a coach or a mentor to have critical conversations around progress going forward. Reviewing skills, structure, the SMART model. But equally, the last set of questions with the headings are important when you create your system for creating change. Good luck and thank you for your attention.